0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: And we're definitely glad you are with us on this Veterans Day edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Thank you. A very heartfelt thank you to all of you who have served this nation in uniform and those who have done so over the many years of this great republic. Uh, Rob Long is here instead of Jim today. Jim is still on vacation. So, Rob, it's great to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Uh, uh, Garrity's endless vacations. I mean, (laughs) sign me up. It's like when the media used to get mad at George W. Bush for spending a month at the ranch down there, right? Right. They didn't like hanging out in Crawford. They much prefer Martha's Vineyard in August for some reason. And they
0: hated it when Reagan would go to the Reagan Ranch in Santa Barbara until they realized that that meant they all could stay at the Four Seasons Biltmore. (laughs) They all stayed about 45 minutes down the hill. They loved it.
1: It's all about perspective. There we go. Excellent. So uh, we have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And so let's start with the good news. And, Rob, anytime there's bad news for socialists and authoritarians, it's good news for conservatives. So uh, let's start here with uh, what's happening in Bolivia. First of all, with The Washington Post. Decrying what he called a coup, Evo Morales resigned as president of Bolivia amid an increasingly violent uprising that reached a tipping point Sunday when the military pulled its support. Morales' stunning fall after nearly 14 years in office came hours after the Organization of American States said it had found clear manipulation of the vote last month in which the elder statesman of the Latin American left claimed victory. The dizzying pace of Development Sunday made an ignominious ending for the region's longest-serving leader. Bolivia's first indigenous president won credit for fighting poverty and transforming cities with... State investment, even as criticism of his authoritarian tendencies, rose. Uh, Don't you love how that's an afterthought to the Post? (laughs) Yeah. Ultimately, the the 60-year-old socialist who once commanded landslide victories at the polls found himself isolated. And then you have uh, the New York Times pointing out, you know, he was actually term limited, wasn't supposed to be eligible for a fourth term, but ran anyway, and then manipulated the voting to cling to power. You'll be shocked, Rob, to find out that Ilhan Omar is not happy about this. She says there's a word for the president of a country being pushed out by the military. It's called a coup. We must unequivocally oppose political violence in Bolivia. Bolivians deserve free and fair elections. And Dr. Jill Stein, uh, also not happy about this. Um, right wing opposition launched violent protests following his recent re-election. she says. So wow. all the right people are really sad, uh, Rob, here. So uh, this is great.
0: It seems insane to me that they that they don't take the easy layup. You know, it's like you get to you get to condemn him. You get to say everything you want. You get to like say, oh, well, you know, he's a authoritarian. He's no friend of mine. But instead, they have this weird tribal loyalty. Um, it reminds me a little bit of like arch conservatives in the 60s who would make these elaborate elaborate excuses for right-wing dictators all over the place, not out of real politic, you know, not out of, you know, the guy's a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch, but out of some kind of like, well, you know, when you really look at the picture of, uh, you know, Salazar or, or Franco or even Pinochet, someone is handing uh, Ilan Omar and Dr. Jill Stein, by the way, I haven't heard the name Dr. Jill Stein in a while. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> they've handed them a, a, a beautiful, beautiful bonbon. All they have to do is take a bite out of it and say, yeah, well, you know, you got to obey the rule of law instead. They retreated to form. The strange thing about Bolivia actually is that I, I don't think that people I – mean, Bolivia is not a basket case compared to the, its neighbors and, and the basket cases in the region. It's only got like I mean it's going to have I – mean, <laughs> listen to me. It's only going to have 3 percent inflation next year. <laughs> um, but that is pretty good compared to uh, uh, you know the, its regional um, uh, colleagues. Even on a humanitarian level, this is to be applauded, right? I mean the amount of blood in the streets, the amount of starvation, the amount of collapse, the amount of chaos – at a minimum, um, and that's a good thing for the region. Let's we should all applaud it
1: because, of course, the, as soon as you think of socialists in Latin America, you think of the, the, the absolute collapse of Venezuela right now. Right. And you know, four or five years ago, maybe even while the time Chavez was still alive, uh, and they were doing pretty well economically because of all the oil they had, and the oil market had uh, huge prices per barrel. And you had folks like Bernie Sanders and, and other folks on the far left saying, "You know, that's a pretty good model down there." And now that it's a uh, just gone completely into the trash can. They're like, oh, no, 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 that's not socialism. This is just a thug and a kleptocracy. I'm about Scandinavian and Canadian socialism. I never had anything to do with the folks down there. So, <laughs> Well,
0: I, I am, too. I'm for, I think it's Sweden. I'm for Swedish socialism, too. Uh, privatized Social Security, uh, private health care system. Um, uh, uh, pri- uh, property taxes, school choice—I'm for all of those things. More Swedish socialism, says I. Um, when you really get down to it, when you drill down to actual the actual socialism in in Scandinavia, it's um, you know, they're more free market than California. That's good. What's happened is that Venezuela refuses to disappear. And what people uh, in the media and the left here in America want is they want it to disappear. That's what happens when it all collapses. It goes down a memory hole. Um, I'm old enough to remember when the country of Nicaragua was on the front page of the New York Times every single day, sometimes twice a day if they could print an extra pa- uh, extra paper. It led the news every day. It was all about the, uh, the the Sandinista regime in Nicaragua and how popular it was until they had a free election. <laughs> <laughs> and the Sandinistas were turfed out in a free election and Nicaragua disappeared. You couldn't find it in the, on page A29 in the New York Times. It was no longer interesting. And unfortunately, Venezuela is remains interesting because it's so incredibly chaotic and violent down there. So it's impossible to ignore it. But boy, would they love to ignore it. And they're going to do their best to ignore uh, Bolivia, too.
1: Oh, absolutely, because that hadn't really been as much on the the the, the news map as, as Venezuela, certainly. So it's probably a little bit easier for them to ignore, even though there's a uh, a dictator forced out of power there. But uh, what's
0: what <laughs> yeah, what, what supposed to be good, by the way? Yes, dictator yes. forced out of power, and, and, and frankly, in a, in a you know, as these things go, in a in as peaceful a way as you can get, a dictator out of power.
1: Why do they love him so much uh, when they keep calling Trump a dictator, which is not a good thing in their estimation? They seem to love there's all these puff pieces on socialism now and, you know, the, the kind of the rewriting of the Cold War and the real heroes, Gorbachev and all
0: this stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, they love that. I mean, I remember talking to somebody who's explaining to me that, no, 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 the Cold War wasn't won by Reagan and by his incredible, in many ways, personal courage but um, by by Gorbachev. And I thought, oh, that's like saying that there's no reason to fight World War II because Hitler was just going to commit suicide in a bunker anyway. <laughs> Look, things happen for a reason. They happen because we put pressure on them. And I think the left likes these deathly experiments because everything else for them is so compromised. I'm going to say this about Chavez. He was not a compromised figure. He was exactly what he said he was. He was a Socialist dictator, and he brooked no dissent. And there is something about those students screaming in university quads, and the entire woke community on social media, and even the squad. There's that kind of jackbooted "why do we have to listen to disagreeing opinions?" kind of attitude that um, they naturally. Good lord, they naturally love it. Even Tom, you know, Tom Friedman, the New York Times columnist, is famous for saying, um, talking about China. Would we could be China for a day? Because he thought, well, when one day, it, all we need is 24 hours to pass a lot of laws and a lot of regulations, do a lot of stuff, and then we can go back to being a chaotic democracy that he hates. Um, there's no such thing as China for a day or Venezuela for a day. Once you give somebody absolute power like they did at Chavez, the third act is already written. It's either written in chaos or it's written in a coup or it's written in bloodshed or civil war. There's no way out once you go for the strongman. And it just seems to say to me that we have to keep learning that lesson. And irony is, of course, we're not learning that lesson. It's the poor people in Bolivia, the poor people in Venezuela, the poor Cubans. They have to live this way because the political science department at Harvard University finds them cute.
1: That's pretty much the case. Uh, I mean, don't forget that uh, as much as a lot of us didn't care for uh, Trump's go back to where you came from tweet for the squad, there was actually an impeachment vote in the House of Representatives based (laughs) on that tweet.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, right. Right. So
1: mean, mean things um, definitely don't uh, get well received on the left. They, they, right. And, there should be no criticism. If he is impeached, whatsoever.
0: right? Whether we we agree with impeachment or not, whether we agree with the with the, the, all the phases of the impeachment process, including removal from office, if, if even if we don't agree with that, if he is removed from, if he's voted to be removed from office, he'll be escorted out of the White House, and he'll and no one will stop that. And there is something incredibly fantastically American and patriotic about the idea that we know deep down in our hearts, if we wanted to get rid of this guy, we could get rid of him with a process that's been put in place for 250 years that people really do respect. So and once again, America's awesome and everywhere else needs to take a lesson.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. Although speaking of social media, the number of people who spend just ridiculous amounts of time online almost daily fantasizing about multiple members of the Trump administration or multiple members of the Obama administration <laughs> yeah. spending the rest of their lives in prison, man, find yourself uh, some some better use of your time because odds are none of that's going to happen.
0: It's going to happen, yeah. I mean, you don't go to prison because you disagree with you. That's um, I, I, Listen, unfortunately, I like to, there are a whole bunch of people I like
1: to put in prison for
0: disagreeing with me.
1: <laughs> I'm not allowed to do it. Let's go to our uh, bad martini here now. Uh, you probably heard the news this morning that long-time – New York Congressman Peter King is not going to run for re-election in 2020. Uh, 14-term congressman by the time all is said and done next year uh, represents Long Island. Uh, it's an increasingly blue district. He says it's, of course, is to spend more time with his family. Uh, doesn't enjoy the commute anymore. Suddenly, after three decades, uh, every week because you know dc to long island is the toughest commute for any member of congress uh that we have here but right. no, i mean the main reason is probably because things are getting bluer in the suburbs it's not looking great for republicans in 2020 and so uh jim and i have, have mentioned before that uh while peter king has done some good things in office he's not necessarily our favorite his uh fondness for the ira for example back in the day mm-hmm. uh leaves uh, kind of a stain we've joked about how he's usually in tears when he watches patriot games and things like that but um But uh, in the end here, this is, I think, less about Peter King and more about Republicans realizing that they're in huge trouble in the suburbs. If you look at last week's elections, northern Virginia is a complete mess for Republicans. Uh, Suburban Philadelphia did not go well at all for Republicans and there are other parts of the country as well. And if Republicans can't hang in the suburbs, they're going to have some real problems winning anything in terms of uh, chambers of Congress or the White House.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, we should before we just jump into this, we should say that there is a chance That he is telling the truth and that he does actually is. That's a long time. He's been there 28 years. He wants to take, he just wants to do something else. That is possible. Okay. We're we're done. We're done considering that. All right. Moving on. Moving on then. Um, It's what everybody like, you know, pro forma, let's say the guy could be, you know, but the thing about it, and these things never happen in a vacuum, and I don't think they even happen in a national assessment for for Congress people, for representatives. That's essentially the high level local job, right? You know, you got to know everybody, and you know the guy, especially Peter King and the, and his district. You know the local business people. You know the who they're who's talking to them. You know the lo- local prosecutor, prosecutor, county lawyer, all those people. You know he knows who he thinks is going to run against him, or he knows at least one of the two or two or the three people who are really thinking about it and have already. Had breakfast with you know various people. He knows what he's up against, so it's not quite exactly the uh, the national trend that he might be responding to. Although that will help, I think partly it's what he knows that we don't, which is that there's there are people out there, and I think that the local. The grassroots democratic recruitment um, efforts are actually really good. The top of the Democratic Party is, you know, filled with insane socialists, and they'll probably go down in flames. at The top of the ticket in November 2020, if they insist on nominating a, you know, a crackpot lefty, but if they can fill in, you know, the suburban uh, districts and Long Island, which is, you know, look, Long Island's been pretty strongly uh, was 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 sort of pro-Trump for uh, huge parts of it, but uh, a lot of a lot of cops live there, that kind of thing, but. A reasonable Democrat, an old line Northeast Democrat running, an ethnic Democrat, a Catholic Democrat, a church-going Democrat, that's going to be – that's hard to beat these days, right? I mean the brand, the Republican brand is stained by Trump. There is no other way to look at it. Uh, Trump is a drag on the ticket, and the the only hope for Republicans is that Democrats remain insane from the top of the ticket all the way down to dog catcher, and they're probably not going to do that. And I think Peter King knows it and thinks, oh, man, let me just go, you know, I'll just go be on some bank boards, which is what you do when you're a pre- uh, former congressman. You're just on a lot of boards. You know, maybe some somebody gives you a sweetheart loan somewhere and you open up your, uh, your, your consultancy somewhere. So Peter King is probably making the wise choice, and it's probably a lot wiser than we even know.
1: So what's the counter to this? How do Republicans uh... – fight back against this, particularly with Trump on the ballot or even once uh, Trump's not at the top of the ticket?
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, they're all just holding their breath. You know, <laughs> it's like I feel like you ever see those like um, I think they did. it in apocalypse now. Those Vietnam movies where uh, the, the POWs are escaping or they're maybe the special forces and they and they sink down below the river and they're breathing through bamboo reeds. Maybe those are the those could be the gorillas, whoever it is. Right. That's what they're that's what the Republican Party is doing. That's what all the moderates and all the suburban Republicans are doing. They're just down below the water, breathing through the reeds, waiting for the Trump cloud to go. And, it, you know, the Democrats are, aren't going to let that happen. So the best bet for Republicans is to en- encourage robust disagreement, uh, respectful disagreement with the president, which they don't seem to have the gumption to do, which is strange because that is one of the things that uh, Reagan encouraged and Bush certainly encouraged. Called him up and said, "Say whatever you need to say. Do whatever you need to do. I, we need you in the in the. We need you in Congress." This president is not inclined to do that, and uh, I think it's gonna. The party's gonna suffer. Probably, a, a, You know, it's gonna be a ten fifteen. It's gonna be a gen- political generations worth of suffering. I think
1: there's no way out. I don't. I don't believe. Kind of like the uh, the Democrats following Jimmy Carter a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, getting...
0: or, or or even Mondale. You know, this idea that everything is there. You know, Mondale ran as a 1947. Uh, you know, union <laughs> organizer. And and that was in 1984. People were like,
1: good Lord, you know, move on. Can't believe that didn't work for him.
0: Yeah, it was not a successful. As I recall, <laughs> we need Jim here. He knows all these facts <laughs> and figures, but it was not a successful. He did win his home state. Barely. Barely. Yeah. He one... won it. He won it. Like, you
1: know, win is a win. Oh, uh, there's a great story about Reagan thinking that there are actually some shenanigans in Minnesota, but he figured that uh, contesting the 50th state when he'd already won 49 might look a little bit like a sore <laughs> winner, so he just kind of let it go. But uh, He was he, just happy he could go to bed early that night. <laughs> that's right. All right. On to our crazy martini now, Rob. And it was last week that Project Veritas released the uh, footage of Good Morning America news anchor Amy Robach off camera, but on set and on mic, uh, venting. This was back in August about how ABC News spiked her big story on Jeffrey Epstein three years earlier. Uh, she had an interview with uh, at least one of his accusers. She said she had pictures and backups. She said we had everything, even mentioned Clinton, uh, some sort of Clinton tie into the story. So uh, just venting over and over again how she's so mad that uh, they had this. Years ahead of Epstein facing federal charges and uh, ultimately his death in the cell. And depending on how much social media you consume, you know how many people aren't quite sure how that happened. But uh, but uh, so then uh, ABC News got totally on it, not, not to figure out who spiked the story and why, but because they wanted to make sure that the person who leaked the tape got punished. Right. So then they confirmed, or at least they thought they confirmed, that the person who leaked it had uh, since moved over to CBS, and so they got in contact with CBS, and CBS promptly fired the producer, this woman named Ashley Bianco, who promptly told Megyn Kelly that she had nothing to do with this. She's the one who originally marked it the day that Amy Robach was having her little rant back in August, but she's not the one who leaked it. Here's uh, a couple of different excerpts from the Megyn Kelly interview. Did you leak the tape?
0: I did not. Not to anyone. No, at never. Any, at any time. No. Did you make a clip of the moment? I did, but I saved it. I saved it in the internal system. Was there any intention to embarrass her? No, not at all. Or ABC? No, I would never. You know, at the three years I've spent at ABC, I've I've loved my time there. You know, I'm a I'm a good employee. I've you know I've worked seven days a week. You know. I I loved my job. So was that the last you had to do with that clip? Yeah. I didn't touch it. I didn't do anything else with that. You never went back to it? I never went back to it. You didn't download it. You didn't email it. You didn't transfer that file in any way? No, not at all. I didn't touch it after that. It stayed in the system. I hadn't even heard of Project Veritas until this.
1: Project Veritas, Rob, says that uh, also ABC and CBS have the wrong person. There's so many different crazy elements here. First of all, the fact that they went on this rampage to find somebody responsible, and it seems quite likely now that they got the wrong person. And also that the mainstream media, whether it's ABC itself, uh, CBS, a lot of folks on on social media pointing at Brian Stelter and his Reliable Sources show over at CNN uh, not wanting to have anything to do with this story, everybody pretending it didn't happen. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I know, and 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 this poor young woman who's just whose voice sounds so scared and terrified at all she's trying to do. Like in the old days uh, under Stalin, is saying, "No, no, I'm a good, I'm a good party member. I would never, ever do anything to hurt the party." And and what, what I what I find so interesting about this is that we know now more about the chain of custody for that clip than we do about really Jeffrey Epstein's finances. Or that, for that matter, that the mainstream media has reported on the chain of custody of the steel dossier. I mean, and they're trying to hide it. So, like, the level of interest in this is just creating more and more. I mean, I think probably ultimately absurd uh, uh, conspiracy theories. But it's like you know they always say it's the cover up. It's indicative of of a community of people who don't even need to talk to each other or pick up the phone or send each other a text or an email. They already know what each other wants. We want to stop this because it, it will embarrass us because it probably was a little pressure from up top that this is kind of an embarrassing thing. Why do you have to look into this? It's not that important. There, there are no ramifications here. There's probably some level of you know, favor you do for people who you like. Um, exactly the kind of thing that uh, re- uh, reporters and journalists usually expose. They tend to only report and expose those things that happen with their uh, in the community of their political opponents. They tend to ignore and downplay and forget the things that happen among their political allies and and that's really what this reveals. I mean the irony of course is that we're all going to be talking more about Jeffrey Epstein why you know what happened in that cell But the truth is what what really happened is, probably what they say happened. But what happened in in ABC News and CBS News with one organization scratching the back of the other, you know, it's like Eric Honecker of East Germany helping out Brezhnev in in Russia. You know, I know what you want, Commissar, I'll help you out. What what the irony is that within 24 hours, they'll be talking about, you know, these unprecedented attacks on the press and the integrity of the press by the president. (laughs) Uh, these, These dots will never connect for these people. If you just I mean, all you have to do, really, literally, all you have to do is hire like a dozen conservatives to do something. I mean, you know, to to, to make coffee, <laughs> just to be in the office. And, and every now and then you could turn to one of the conservatives, and say, is this weird that we're doing this? And he'll probably he or she will probably say, yeah, it's a little weird. You shouldn't do it. That's all you need. But they can't do it. Oh, God, no. <laughs> what would happen if you had a conservative in the newsroom? Your, your news
1: might be balanced. Oh, there's plenty of conservatives who uh, are on the the panels now uh, because they yeah. hate, because they hate Trump only because they hate Trump. So. Yeah, that's right. That's the usually the the well, you're you know you're and they I've had that. I lived in Hollywood for a
0: long time, and I, I've had people say to me when I've said you know moderate things, they're like, well, you know, you're one of the good ones. I you know I know you're a Republican, but I don't hate you. <laughs> it's like, without any irony at all, really, people have said that to me. Like that, when I remind them of of the of the hall of you know the league of supervillains they've created. From you know, I don't know Reagan to Bush to George W to Romney to Bob Dole to all the people they now praise, right. uh, and I said, you know, like you turn it up to eleven for George W Bush. There's no twelve. So now, where are you going to go with Trump? You know, he's he's eleven again, just like Romney and George W. Look, the Epstein thing is just one more weirdness, modern day weirdness where. Um, nothing can just be normal. I mean, you know, imagine how weird it seemed in 1972 to be hearing about the details of Watergate. How weird that must have been. And now we look at it and think, God, how boring. <laughs> just like they break in and whatever. Doesn't, this is not that interesting. Jeffrey Epstein is an international sex criminal who is a, a, a mysterious millionaire whose actual money, source of money, is is, 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 uh, is confusing and murky and completely underreported. And, and he dies in uh, solitary confinement by suicide. You would think that some reporter would say, you know what? I don't care if it takes down some, you know, uh, Easter Island statues of the Democratic Party. I am going to go for this because this is going to make my bones. And instead, there's one like, well, no, no, no. I, I, I promise you, I would never have revealed that. I mean, <laughs> this is somebody who works for a news organization talking about how I would never have revealed the truth. <laughs> of what happened i promise you i at no point did i think about this sort of incendiary and interesting tidbit ever revealing it
1: at all to the public because that would be rude we're not saying you believe it rob but do you have a favorite epstein didn't kill himself meme well i think uh, hillary uh clinton did it i wrote about
0: it and i did a national review piece where i sort of cast uh uh, uh trump and pants as holmes and watson and Trump's is like in the, looking through the, the crime scene and he's, the, you know, figuring out that she did it. And I, my, my theory is that in, in the Holmes and Watson, Trump, Pence universe, uh, Hillary Clinton is the, you know, is the. The famous femme fatale from the Sherlock Holmes novels. He'll always be chasing her. He'll never catch her. It's not just that he wants to put her behind bars. There's also a huge amount of romantic tension between the two of them. (laughs) So it's gross. It's gonna make. Don't you know? Don't read it after lunch, or read it after lunch.
1: Oh man!
0: But it's online. You can find
1: it. You have no idea how many people you lost with that last phrase, but. Rob, right, Rob, it is always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for filling in for Jim. We'll talk to you down the road. Happy to be here. Thanks to uh, Rob Long, filling in for Jim Garrity. Jim will be back on Tuesday. And again, happy Veterans Day to all who have worn the uniform of our country. We thank you so much for your sacrifices and your family sacrifices over the years. And we know that uh, our freedoms have been preserved through your selfless service. And so this day is yours. Every day is yours. We salute you and your service to our country. I'm Greg Karumbas of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Tune in again Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.